Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. Welcome back, everyone. Excited for this episode because uh, before I hit the record button, I was able to catch up with my friend Quentin and I'm going to let Quentin introduce himself here in just a moment, but uh, for those of you who've been following along for, for the fo- following along the podcast for at least a year now, um, it's interesting because the episode that we released on August 8th of 2022 also featured Quentin, but in this capacity, the episode was about him in the DoD Skill Bridge through Cameron Brooks as he was preparing for the career conference. So. I'd encourage you, I've linked it in the show notes, but I'd encourage you to go check out that episode as well. And so the focus of this episode is really, okay, well, it's been a year, where are they now type of deal. And I thought I've been following Quentin in the first year and things that have happened to him in the first year. So I'm excited to have him back on the podcast, have him share a little bit about uh, what the last year in corporate America has been like after leaving the military um, so, for those of you who haven't heard of, uh, or haven't heard episode 157, I'm going to turn it over to you, Quentin. Please introduce yourself. Tell us what you what you did in the military, and then just give us a little bit about what you're doing now, and then we'll uh, we'll dive into it. Yeah. Well, first of all, Pete, thanks again for letting me back on this great podcast that uh, impacted my life so much. <laughs> but but uh, for for everyone listening out there, my, my name's Quentin, and I you know I'm a Marine Corps veteran. And I served most of my career with 6th Marine Regiment as a motor transport officer, and then later going down to 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines as a, uh, a battalion assistant logistics officer, and then later taking over as the battalion S4. Um, and, and now how I identify is I'm a marketer who happens to have served as a Marine Corps officer and a proud father of two children. Um. So you're a marketer. Okay, so that let's just unpack that first because that's probably the first question. You know, actually, let's and, and let's do it this way. Let's talk about your company first. So you came to the conference. You interviewed with 14 different hiring groups. So you saw a lot of different industries, companies, and career fields. Share with us who you work for, what they do. Let's just talk about your company first, and then let's get into, okay, what do you do in your job as a marketer? So I work for Campbell Soup and I work in their snacks division. So Campbell's actually owns a lot of snacks that a lot of people don't realize. Like I didn't, like Goldfish Crackers, Snyder's of Hanover Pretzels, Cape Cod Chips, Kel- I mean, you name it, they probably have touched it in some way. Uh, so it's a very exciting business. And when I say I'm in marketing, uh, as a JMO, I really didn't know what that meant. And now that I know what it means, I- I'm even hesitant to say marketing because I feel like a general manager. I work on the operations side of the business, and, and my job is, is really twofold. I, I do all the forecasting for the, the pretzels brand, Snyder's of Hanover Pretzels and Snack Factory Pretzel Crisps. Um, but then I also help commercialize new projects. So when you see a new flavor on the shelf in the store, that was either me or someone on my team that took that from an idea and then worked it all the way till you can purchase it on the shelf. It's one of the funnest jobs in my mind in corporate America, corporate America because you just touched so many aspects of your business as well as um, as well as the customer. So you're a logist. You were excuse me. You were a logistician in the Marine Corps. I I know that there is when you start talking forecasting. I know that there's some parallels. Let's talk about the parallels to what you some of the things you did in the Marine Corps. 
And then maybe some of the things that are new, that skills you've had to learn over the last year, things you weren't, I don't want to say not prepared for, that wouldn't be fair necessarily, but maybe things that you didn't have experience with moving into this role. So let's start with some similarities. What are some of the overlaps? Yes. Something to point out to everyone here who's maybe having some some feelings of hesitancy, every single one of your soft skills is going to translate and it's going to differentiate you. Uh, The reason I think I've had such a successful first year here is because of the fact that I was a military leader and the things that the Marine Corps taught me. Um, You know, for instance, that everything I do is a cross-functional leadership type of role. So I learned that as a logistician working on a battalion staff. I learned that as a motor transport officer working with other units and supporting missions. And when it does come to forecasting, I I know how to, you know, when we're going to run low on ammunition or water, I I just take that and now I apply it to a a lot of different variables, but it all translates. So describe some of the variables. I do want to hear, okay, what are the thing what are the things you had to get up to speed with? But okay, so describe some of those variables in your world. Okay, I'm a I'm a you know Marine Corps logistics officer, so I'm looking at beans and bullets and fuel <laughs> and water, all of those things. Okay, now what are you thinking about? Yeah, so now I'm thinking about how much money are we spending on advertisement and what's the return on investment of that? How much more product do I need to have ready in October if we're spending money on on Instagram in September? Or if we're coming out with a new product in November for the holidays, what do I need to how do I need to work with the local plant to make sure that we have the capacity to get that stuff on shelf? Um okay, okay, got it. That's that's you know, pretty straightforward. Okay, how did you learn that? I mean, it's only been a year. It sounds like you've been working there for a lot longer than that. How'd you learn that? Yes, yeah, so you know, to be clear to everyone here, my first six weeks, I used to joke with my boss. I was like, you're going to let me know if you're going to fire me, right? Because I, I just thought, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to figure this out. But I knew, I mean, I knew deep down Cameron Brooks wanted to put me there if I couldn't. But uh, it's such a different technical thing to learn. But it's also so easy to learn when you just take your time and, and push through it. So I found a great mentor, Japan to be my manager. And she took her time giving me projects that I could fail safely at and learn quickly. And, and by about the six week, two month mark, I woke up one morning and I was like, oh, wow, I, I know what I'm doing. And about a month later, I was like, I'm pretty good at it. Tell me, describe if you can remember it. I know that we, you know, a lot of what we're, for those listening, a lot of what we're talking about is, you know, we're just having a conversation. I gave him a couple of questions to start with, but we're way off the grid at this point. Um, so if you can remember, uh, can you describe like that very first, you know, it's okay to fail project that your boss gave you? So they gave me this, um, the first thing they did was they had me do some analytics. So I was looking at market data on how our products were doing based on weekly and monthly sales. And, and, uh, they kind of just, they gave me an open field and they said, Hey, look at this through your own perspective and tell us strengths, weaknesses. And I ended up coming up with this report format that uh, I actually got an award for, <laughs> but it, it was, um, it, and I and I wish I could say I made it up. I stole this from the Marine Corps. I put a bottom line up front at the top of this report, and I sent that to the vice president and the whole team, and I said, this is what you need to focus on. And then I started looking at, you know, the Marines out there are going to understand what I'm talking about. I was looking for centers of gravity, critical vulnerabilities. I was turning the map around, and I was really doing like an enemy analysis of what my competitors were doing to figure out how we could exploit their weaknesses and 
And uh, because of that, you know, I got more, you know, I was allowed to fail. I made some wrong assumptions, you know, I was brand new to the job, but they let me keep going with it and keep expanding on it. And it was something I did for really, I just gave up that part of my role last week. One of the things you mentioned a moment ago is, you know, interacting with the, with the production team. Are you, are you going down to the production team or is that a phone call? Is that a zoom call? Like, how are you interacting with that part of the business? Yeah, so I have a large cross-functional team. There's uh, package engineers on my team. There's um, R&D scientists, food scientists, uh, design team. I mean, you name it. There's a big part of finance, of course. Uh, so I get on these large group calls. And as the brand, you know, I'm an, a senior associate brand manager now. So I, we own the brand. We're responsible for everything the brand does or fails to do. So when I'm on these calls, I bring the whole team together and I like to have a large group discussion. It's very open dialogue. And what we usually do is we point out problems with the plan and then we help together. We come up with solutions on that very same call. One of the things that, um, one of the things that I know, and maybe you can expand on this for me. One of the things that I know that we do when we're briefing positions like this, brand management types, type positions, as we say, it's a great place to start your career because you're the center of the wheel and everything kind of spokes off that. So you had mentioned, you know, food scientists and finance and, you know, tell us, tell us about it, you know, tell us more. What are, what are some of the, what are some of the spokes of the wheel, I guess? Yeah. So all, everything I just mentioned, but then you also have a project manager who helps you maintain your project timelines. You have analysts on your team. Um, I said I work on operations. I have an equity counterpart, and they're the ones working on a lot of the advertising and building success around the campaign. Well, there's a lot of overlap there that we work together on. Uh, but you know, everyone has a piece to play in the project. And as you know, as the brand representative on all of these projects, your job is to make sure that this thing happens and that it's successful. Or if it's not going to be successful, you step in and, and you make the decision or recommend the decision to stop it in its tracks and put your effort somewhere else. It's like a big battle captain, right? I mean, that's a, that's a word military officers use a lot. It's like a big battle captain. Yeah. I joke with uh, other veterans here. I feel like an operations officer. I feel like I'm, I'm running a staff to get the, you know my commander's intent done. Right. Right. Um, let me, let, let's do a little bit of day in a life. Like maybe, let me actually, let me, let me ask this question first. What do you think you spend? It sounds like you spend a lot of time working with a bunch of different facets of the brand in order to deliver and ultimately oh let's back up here talk about the goal if you're the operations officer you're you're running operations in order to meet the commander's intent which is readiness lethality you know mission completion yada yada okay let's talk about your goal like when you think when you wake up in the morning you go to work you know what are you what's the bottom line and that's the answer the bottom line but tell us about what you're thinking about relative to your ultimate goal or mission. Yeah. So I'm a nerd for this stuff. And I was a nerd for this in the Marine Corps too. So I think some can relate. I, For me, I, I'm told by the business, by my vice president, really his leaders, what we need to grow each brand by, by the end of the year. And then they give us tons of different tools to grow that business by. So my job is to make sure we're on track to grow the business by at least that rate and to maintain our, our market share by at least a certain rate as well. Gotcha. Um, so 
the way that works for me is I'm leveraging variables, uh, opportunities to go get. I'm working with the sales teams to to get increased distribution on certain products, or we're taking certain products off the shelf to put other products with higher profit margins on the shelf. There's so many things you can do, but it's really a strategy job. Um, you know, you're not going to give us all the company secrets. We're not really looking for all the company secrets, but like. How many specific lines of product, I don't even know if that's the right way to ask this question, but you know, it's where my head goes, lines, how many lines of product are you actually managing in terms of pointing at the end of the year? Go ahead. Yeah. A rough number here between the two brands that I'm, I'm helping lead um, over a hundred different SKUs wow. or all different types of markets. You know, what we sell at a club store like Costco or Sam's Club is very different from what we sell at a convenience store versus the grocery store. Uh, or canisters or multi-packs. There's var- varying ways and different sizes of everything. Okay, so how do you keep how do you keep it all straight? <laughs> A lot of organization, but um, it's you know I keep relating this to the Marine Corps, but you know the Marine Corps we had a system called GCSS, and that's how we tracked a lot of our supply chain. We it's not foreign to that. We have a similar model here where we can track shipments, and I can and really I have eyes on everything we're doing. Uh, and what, and I can easily, by a couple clicks of the button, I can see how well a certain SKU is performing. And that helps us know if we want to continue moving forward or, or fuel that fire. So, so it's automated. There's some sort of enterprise software. There's a dashboard involved. Like you really, you have the tools because when you describe it, it makes me feel like, Ooh, <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, you know, it, I don't know where my mind goes. I think that that's, that's too much to handle, but but it sounds like there are some tools that you use specifically that keep it all straight. Yeah, and I don't want to give too much credit to the machine. I am inputting a lot of these things <laughs> involved. But you know, we we break it down into families. So like I treat flavored pretzels differently than I treat unflavored pretzels. And I treat big bags differently than I treat small bags. So there's different ways to break it down. So you feel like you're only dealing with a handful of things at a time. Okay, okay. Okay. So day in the life, like what do you spend a lot of your time doing? You know, you get to the office at what time you talk to who I know, I know every day is different. I totally understand every day is different, but you know, try to give us a, you know, like a sampling of what a typical day could look like. Yeah. This is probably a great time to bring up. I'm only in the office three days a week. So there's some flexibility. So, but my schedule is not all that different. When I'm, I start my day around 830, the company starts at nine. So that's not something you have to do, but I like to get organized in the morning. Um, but I usually start by pulling reports and I like to do my own preliminary analysis. Um, and that gives me the information I need to be successful in meetings throughout the day. And from there, the rest of my day is is a combination of various project meetings and, and then individual working blocks of time that I'll put together where I can work on some projects. But, um, you know, just an example, yesterday I was working on some of our our holiday stuff for the upcoming holiday season. And then directly after that, I was working on, uh, I was doing some forecasting planning with a larger team. And then I went into a commercial commercialization call where we talked about over 20 different projects we had coming up. And that was all before lunch. <laughs> you know, I really hope that those listening, I, I hope this is exciting because you know, it's just, I mean, the, there's just so much available in corporate America. And obviously, Quentin's describing, uh, you know, his role in a specific company and a specific role. But there's just one, it's exciting because there's a lot to do. And then two, there's, as you hear from him, just over and over again, just 
It's your leadership and your initiative and your desire to be successful that will just fuel the, the, the path to being successful. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the most pleasant surprise. It's been a year, right? You, you've got, you're, you're, you know, you're through the honeymoon phase. You're actually through the dip phase, which I know we're going to talk about something unique that happened to you here in a moment. But let's talk about the biggest pleasant surprise that you've experienced over the last year. It, yeah, I hate to be generic on this, Pete, but the word is opportunity. What I had no idea how much opportunity there was in corporate America. And I say that because it's so weird when you take control of your own life again, when you take your uniform off. I, I think I took a really deep breath drive, driving through the Camp Lejeune gates for the last time. And it didn't feel real until almost three months later. But uh, if if I'm not interested in a certain type of work, all I have to do is talk to my manager and say, hey, I would really like to start learning X. Or maybe if there's if there's a project on Y, I'd like to work there. Or, you know, I, I would never do this because I do love what I do so much. But if I wanted to completely change hats, and I don't even have to leave my company. I could easily go over and work in finance or I could go pursue a project management role. There's just so much opportunity that I didn't know existed. And that's been the best surprise. Hey, th this is going to be you potentially, um, you know, with some conjecture, but why do you think that is? I mean, you know, like as military officers, we think, well, what? I mean, aren't you, uh, you know, a logistician? Don't you do your function, your MOS, if you will? Um, why do you think you have the opportunity that you do, or why is there the opportunity you're describing out there? So in, in those of you listening, you're going to discover this for yourself very quickly, but you're going to you're going to establish credibility. And that's the first thing you're really going to do when you start a new role. And it happens faster than you think. And the reason it happens faster is because you're not the typical hire. You are someone with real experience, leadership experience, and that's going to translate automatically. It's going to come out at just you being you in the role. And once you have that credibility, you're going to see every day more and more people are going to trust you to do your job. And you're going to start realizing, oh, well, if I could learn this role so quickly, I could learn another role very quickly. And you're going to realize the people around you would trust you to do that as well. I really do think as you're describing it, and I think I've pondered this before, but but you're, what you're describing, just I need to say this. It's like when you, when you leave the, when you left the military, when I left the military, you know, it was just such a massive change, right? From you know, you in Virginia Tech, and then in the Corps, and then the Marine Corps. I mean, your life has just been so military that you think like, okay, I'm going to this new thing that's completely different. And it is different industry, different company, different career field. But, you know, you're still you, I'm still me. And the things that the, the intrinsic things that made us successful in life and certainly in the military are the exact same things as you're describing that are going to make you successful or give you the opportunity. And I think that's sometimes hard for people to appreciate. You know, I, I know you know my story, Quentin, I was in med device sales before I'd gone to Johnson & Johnson. I'd never even been in the operating room before. So I like to tell that story. I know you've heard it. I won't bore you with it today. But I mean, I think that's really it. The thing that you made you so successful in life or the things, Quentin, that have made you so successful, you're just continuing on. No change, really. Just kind of a different, you wear a different clothes, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate this. It to admit it, but I think there's some truth there. Like I, I think that what makes us successful as Marine or military leaders 
translates so almost effortlessly to corporate America if you have the desire to keep achieving. Well said. And that's really what companies who come to our conferences, that's what they're looking for. They're not only looking for the track record, the ability to be successful. You know, I mean, they could go find that a lot of different places. Like you said, you're a, you've changed the way you sell yourself from a military leader with potential to a to experienced business professional who happen to come from the military and you have the desire to rise. And that's really, if if a military officer doesn't have the, that desire, you know, the, the companies will be less interested because, yeah, I mean, they can find well, a lot of people with the ability to do the job, but it's really the next job and the job after that and the job after that, which I do want to ask you about. But before I get there, okay, so now let's talk about, okay, I asked you, okay, what was the most pleasant surprise over the course of the last year. You said in a word opportunity and went down that road for a second. Okay. Now let's talk about the most unpleasant surprise that you experienced over the last year. <laughs> All right, everyone get ready. Cause it's a big one. I was uh, three months into my job, had bought a house, I was getting my kids all set up in preschool and, and, uh, you know, looking, getting on waiting lists. And my company announced they were going to relocate our entire snacks headquarters to the world headquarters right outside Philadelphia. And you were living where initially? I was in Charlotte, beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. But uh, I, I say it was an unpleasant surprise because it was, it was stressful. I, I had gotten out of the military because I was, I was kind of done, ready to be done moving. And it just, uh, it, it goes back to, you know, Cameron Brooks will tell you, don't focus on location in your interviews. And that's probably, and I mean this, the most important piece of advice you're going to get, and you really owe it to yourself to listen to that. Um, I did not want to move back to the Northeast. I grew up there, but all my family, all my friends told me, hey, just go find another job in Charlotte. And I thought about it. And I was close and I actually got a, a great job offer over there, but something told me I had to reach back out to Cameron Brooks. And I, I ended up talking to Chuck, he gave me a call. And it was the most important call I've had all year because Chuck, Chuck kind of, he listened to both sides and he said, you would be, you know, in, in other words, nicer words, but pretty much, I felt like I'd be crazy not to move with Campbell's. And you know what? Now hindsight is 2020. He was right. I'm glad I moved a lot. And you know, what's, this is unique and this will, uh, I think you'll appreciate this of all the people at my level who moved. There was four of us at my level. Three of them were JMOs, including myself. That was it. And it's because we are the we're the type who are willing to adapt. And they were and HR and our leadership came to us specifically and said they were willing to lean on us for our leadership experience. And they even put us on committees. Like, how do we redesign the new office to make sure, you know, this works the right way? They trusted us with the future of the company. And you know, that felt really great. So I do want to throw out the disclaimer before we keep talking. I think in the decade that I've been doing this, this is the only op chance I've heard. So if you're listening to Quentin thinking, crap, I don't want to move in three months. Uh, it's a it's a low, low, low likelihood. But I do want to understand. So Chuck said to you, all right, you'd be quite crazy. And he understood. And like they were relocating. So it would have been perfectly acceptable for you to say, uh -uh, I just found a house. We're on a waiting list for daycare. I'm staying put. Why would you have been crazy to pass up on that opportunity? Kind of flesh that out for me. You know, it's so rare to get the opportunities I've had um, this early in a career. So one, my boss was on maternity leave at the time of the announcement. So I was already being asked to kind of step up and cover projects that normally I wouldn't have any role in at that, that stage of my career. 
But then two, with the relocation, the company understood they were going to lose a lot of great talent because a lot of people aren't going to move. And who are they going to ask to fill those holes while they're still waiting to hire people? Well, it's, it's the ones that move. And that's exactly what happened. I, I would, used to only be on Snyder's of Hanover Pretzels. Well, the Snack Factory Pretzel Crisp team was, was short-staffed, and I ended up being asked to take over a lot of that business. And it, it helped me grow a lot faster than I ever would have grown had I not moved. And you know, Pete knows this, but you know, I was rewarded with a promotion uh, as soon as I got to the new office. Okay, so tell us about the promotion. What is what is that? What did that look like? You know, and I do want to, and maybe we can just parlay this into the part of the conversation about future opportunity and what. But tell me more about the promotion. Yeah, so I started off as an associate brand manager, which is, I think, is one of the most fun roles in the company because you're you're being tested and you're doing. There's so many different ways that you're helping support the strategy of the business, and then what I got promoted to was a senior associate brand manager. And really what that is, is it, you're just, you're kind of doubling the responsibilities. You're getting some harder tasks. Like I said, I took on another brand, um, almost doubling my, my monthly workload. But what it did was it gave me a fresh new set of challenges. I'm working on different parts of the business. And like ultimately what it is, it's the same as when you're teaching a, a young second lieutenant, a certain part of the military, and then that you move them into a new position like XL so they can learn. And you're grooming them to be a company commander. That's how I look at this transition. I feel like I'm being groomed right now to learn all the tools I'll need to be successful at my very next role. What do you think, you know, when we talk about opportunity, you know, it's hard, probably hard to identify, but let's just say that, you know, you would progress in the typical way that a senior associate brand manager would progress. What do you think that next role is that, that you would be groomed for? Yeah, if I stay on the you know traditional path, it's brand manager, and there's there's different types. I could go over to the innovation team and work on the brand manager of innovation. There's brand manager of different. Uh, I I don't have to stay at snacks. I could go to meals and beverages. There's tons of brands to move over to, but I and I do want to point out, you know, I feel very lucky and I, I'm very thankful for the early promotion that I got. But had I not moved, that promotion typically wouldn't have happened for at least 18 months to two years if you were doing very well in the job. And the, and if, if you're doing average, even longer. So I feel like I got a, a jump just by making this move. That's great. Yeah, I think that's really it. That's, I assume that's the advice Chuck gave you. You know, you know, he probably said to you, what's your goal? Well, I want to I want to lead. I want to grow. I want to develop. And he probably said something to the effect of you'd be crazy to leave Campbell's in because that's all that's going to happen is you're going to lead, grow, and develop. And obviously that has definitely happened. Um, you mentioned earlier, oh yeah. Okay. So hold on real quick. I, I do want to ask you one thing about, so you're, you're outside of Philadelphia in the world headquarters where, I mean, are you, is the world headquarters in a downtown, like in downtown Philly? Can't you said Camden, where is it exactly? I'm right across the river, so I'm actually on the New Jersey side. Okay, um, and we're, it's in Camden, New Jersey. But the headquarters is in the city. Where do you live? I mean, roughly, where do you live? Are you out in Bucks County, or where do you what do you do? I'm 30 minutes out. I live on a lake out in uh, Medford, New Jersey, and I I feel like I'm camping. I have deer in my backyard. I I, I thought you know living in North Carolina, I had wilderness, but I I truly it, this move helped me up. Not just upgrading my work life, but um, my family's much happier too. I uh, 
well, this isn't about me. It's about you. I do. I think maybe I've told you this before. I lived out in Clinton, New Jersey, or west of that a little bit on a couple of acres, but then I backed up to a natural preserve. So I'm I'm a huge fan of Jersey. But the point I want to make here is like you work in the city and you commute 30 minutes one way, you know, to go to work, but you live on a lake. See, I think that's the misnomer that people think about that are maybe a little bit adverse to like, oh, Philadelphia, big city. I don't, you know what I mean? They think I got to live in Philly. I worked in New York City. I lived on a natural nature preserve. You live in Philadelphia or you work in Philadelphia, Camden, you live on a lake. Like, I, I think it's important to stress that you don't have to live you know, in downtown, uh, name the city, if you don't want to, you can be 30 minutes out of town and, and being a wonder, you know, being a, on a lake, I guess, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's exactly. And that's why I stress so hard, you know, please listen to Cam Brooks when they tell you not to focus on location. There's a bright side of every location. You just have to look for it. I, I never would have thought I would have found this place that I'm living in by moving to Philadelphia. And now I couldn't imagine leaving. I'm very happy where we're at. Crazy. And listen, location's a big deal. I mean, you know the deal. I know the deal. I'm my wife and I went to high school together. Like being close to home. I mean, it's important to everyone. But I think what Quentin's focusing on and stressing is, you know, there is going to be time for that. You know, you're young. You have the opportunity to really accelerate your career, which is exactly what you're doing, Q. And that's that's pretty darn amazing. Okay, a couple more questions. They're going to land this plane. So first and foremost, you said you start your day about 8.30. Now, in the military, that you know you were running with Marines or running with, you know, I was running with soldiers at 6 a.m. You know, tell us about your life. You know, one of the, there was a guy who came to this program about a decade ago, and he said, you know, the Marine, he was a Marine Corps officer. He said, the Marine Corps, you know, consumed about 80% of my life. Now my work life is consumed by like 40 or so. And so I got a lot of white space. Tell me about your quality of life. Yeah, it, it couldn't be better, Pete. That's the big thing. I, that's the biggest change from taking the uniform off. I am, I'm with my kids and my wife constantly. I, I get home and it's like my day is just starting. It's still light out. I'm taking the kids to the park. Last night we went to a festival throwing, you know, the local town did. Work is just a small part of my day. My week, you know, every weekend feels like a 96 to me because I, I do work from Mondays and Fridays so I can travel and work remotely. But um, I, it just seems like I, I just feel like in the Marine Corps, my life, my life was the Marine Corps. And then whatever I did personally around it was, you know, a little bit of a bonus. Now it feels the opposite. My life is my life and work is just something that I, that I'm passionate about, but it just allows me to live my life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you've given a lot of. I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. Like I said, we're gonna land the plane here. You've given so much good advice. Um, you've you've really given us an insight. You know, I think we could, you know, kind of dive in on each of these topics even a little bit more to go to go deeper. But any any parting thoughts, any words of advice? You know, we've talked a little bit about location. We've talked about opportunity. Anything else that you've been thinking about that um, that you want to share? Yeah, and this one I you know I hate to hate to say it on this, but listen, do a study group. You owe it to yourselves. Yeah, right. Rock this. I've seen now. You know now I'm on the other side where I you know I've had the privilege to be involved a little bit with some of the interview process. You don't you don't have the job offer till you have the job offer, and every single person listening to this podcast is qualified 
to work in any of these roles that you're being matched up with. But you have to earn it. You have to practice. You have to prepare. And and you and you really need to be humble about it. You have to go in and say, they're looking at a lot of other qualified candidates, not all over JMOs. So you need to go in with the mindset that how can I add to the organization? And you should show that you thought about that when you're in the interview. So helpful. So helpful. Quentin, um, I really appreciate, you know, I hit you up last week or whenever it was. Yeah, I can do it. And I really just appreciate you. I know you're busy. You got meetings here and there and managing this and that. And so I appreciate you carving out time. I really appreciate your support of Cameron Brooks and what we're doing and helping military officers. Uh, and uh, thanks for the time. Well, let's stay in touch. And uh, here's to your continued success. Thank you, Pete. And always happy to pay it forward. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and uh, and uh, checking out that episode, Quentin. I really hope you enjoyed the episode, uh, listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Obviously, Quentin is a really good guy, uh, results-oriented guy who cares deeply about um, being successful and paying it forward to military officers. So I'm grateful that he was able to join us for the call and hopefully some of his insight in the first year in corporate America will help you see over the fence a little bit as you're thinking about your transition and what's next for you. Um, stay tuned. The next episode, of course, we'll drop it in another two weeks. And on that one, Joel's going to now uh, interview an alumnus with over five years of, of experience in corporate America. So we wanted to kind of bring both sides of that to you. We wanted to talk to someone who's been out there for a year and doing great things. And we wanted to talk to someone who's been out there for more than five years and doing great things. And seeing some of that progression and understanding some of the difference. So again, stay tuned for that. Of course, if you are brand new and just hearing us for the first time, you can check out a ton more information, uh, blog, transition guide, a lot more information to learn more about who we are, what we do, and most, most importantly, how we help military officers make the move from the military to corporate America. So again, thanks for tuning into this one. We'll do it again in two weeks. Until then, make it a great day.